Malachi chapter 4. While you're turning there, I'd also like to thank everybody who cooked this afternoon. That was uh, very good. I uh, saw a lot of empty dishes over there, so I think that means everybody enjoyed it pretty well. Malachi chapter 4. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that, sh- that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But you that fear my name shall the Son of righteousness arise. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall, and ye shall tread down the wicked. For they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb all of Israel, for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for being able to gather here together to study your word and to look at Malachi here at the end of this book and hear your warning. Please, Lord, let us take it to heart and, Lord, let us just study the word and remove the temptations from our heart, Lord. And I ask again, Lord, that I merely be a conduit as he sings in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of the message... Um, a little bit, uh, t- uh, title is probably a little bit lighter than the message to me. It says, when your father gets home, when your father gets home, who all here has heard that phrase before uttered by their mother as a child? We've all heard that when your father gets home. That's what Malachi is telling the children of Israel here. And not so light of term is that behold, or behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven. Um, uh, in order to stay away from the family side of it, I'll also use the illustration of what happened when um, I was stationed overseas on my second deployment. And we got word that the Secretary of the Navy was coming. Now you all know the Marine Corps is a branch of the Department of the Navy, the Men's Department. So we were all there. We answered the Secretary of the Navy. This is a pretty big shot. So um, I personally, as an NCO, did not sleep for a week. We lived in an area, our birthing area was made up of, um, we called them HESCO barriers, so that even if they dropped a huge mortar or artillery shell right on the outside of it, you'd pretty much get a headache, that's all you would get. It was four feet of nothing but sand, six feet tall, and however wide you, or however long you needed the wall to be. Now needless to say, in a dry area like that, we had wood over the top. We had the rafters. The rafters were all full of sandbags, and then we had metal on top of that, and then we had sandbags on top of that, and then more metal. So it was pretty built up, a lot of sand, a lot of dirt. And our officer, our second lieutenant, being relatively fearful for his career, because on the officer side, a lot of things are political, so he's got to make sure he looks good for the Secretary of the Navy. One of the tasks he gave us, in addition to picking all the litter out of the camp, was we had to get up and we had to, with wet rags, dust off these rafters, and we had to dust off these HESCO barriers that are full of sand. That is how fearful we were of this Secretary of the Navy. 
And then, of course, the guy shows up. He walks around inside the camp, doesn't come inside any of our uh, areas that we just cleaned up, looks around, it's all good. Mm. Happy Thanksgiving, moving on. It's like, I missed a week of sleep for this. But he came, and we prepared for it. That is the same type of attitude that we see Malachi here telling Israel to do. Telling Israel to have this attitude of making everything right. It was good and right that we as Marines were that fearful of the Secretary of the Navy. And it is good and right that Christians, as the children of Israel and God's people, ought to be that fearful and that vigilant, knowing that Daddy's coming home. It will not be pretty when he gets there if things are out of order. Just like if something, if there had been debris blowing across our encampment, would not have been very pretty. People would have lost their jobs, is a nice way of putting it. But you see here, shall burn as the oven all the proud, and yea, the two wickedly shall be stubble. The day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, or that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness, shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings. You look back at Malachi and all the things that Malachi warned them that they were to clean up. You see in the first chapter, they were, God's people were compared negatively to the heathen for their lack of respect for God and their lack of fear for the institutions that he put in place. They were compared negatively to the family unit. They were compared negatively to employees. They were compared negatively to citizens and subjects. And God, and they warned the warning again that was in chapter 2. Behold, I shall corrupt your seed, in verse 3 there, and spread dung upon your faces, even the dung of your solemn feast, and one shall take you away with it. We saw that prophecy come to fulfillment when the Greeks and the Romans came down and turned the house of God into a vile place when Antiochus Epiphanes rode a sow into the temple and butchered it on the altar. That was also prophesied about in Daniel. You see the things that needed to be fixed, the scandal that the priests were causing, the men of God by not following God's word, saying one thing, doing something else. You see the negligence in the area of tithe in chapter 3, not rendering unto God what is rightly His, not having faith in Him, not believing His promise that if you give to God... Uh, we looked at in our Sunday school day with the teenagers, you can't outgive God. And we looked at the example of Barnabas and how much Barnabas gave. And something very interesting about Barnabas, he restored or he brought to the church, he lended his influence to Saul and to John Mark, when both of those men probably wouldn't have been accepted by the church. Those men went on to write at least 15 books of the New Testament, be used by God. Because Barnabas, the son of consolation, sold what he had on this earth and he gave it to the church. And then the influence that he had, he didn't use that for his own vainglory or to get things for himself. He used that to restore people to the church, to bring Saul, who became Paul, into fellowship and to restore John Mark after John Mark had either abandoned or been kicked off a mission trip by Paul. 
So a lot of things. The children of Israel did not believe the promise of God. were not being obedient in the area of tithe. They acted as if the warning to fix, the other thing that's warning to fix was how they viewed serving God. How they viewed it as a burden. How they wouldn't do it unless they were, uh, they wouldn't even do so much as open a door if they didn't feel they were being uh, compensated for it. God promised to judge them. However, God promised unto you that fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in His wings. And the message of the gospel, the message of hope, was definitely a good message to the Jews that believed on the Messiah in the time when they were under the Romans. The Romans... They were not nice people to live under. That's putting it mildly. And you see the prophecy, the Son of Righteousness, there being Jesus Christ, strengthening up those that believe in Him, those that were faithful, those that did keep God's commandments. And it promises in verse 3 that those people who kept God's commandments that are healed by the Son of Righteousness, or by, yeah, by the Son of Righteousness, they shall tread down the wicked. Like uh, our pastor talked about in one of his uh, uh, points, I believe it was the uh, last point of his first Roman numeral there, how Christ dealt with in patience and love, but the day is coming when God will wipe them out, so to speak. Or, as we said in the Marine Corps, He will secure them. Just so you know, and... If those of you that join the different branch of the service, secure means a whole different thing for different branches. If the Marine Corps is told to secure a building, it will be dust. If the Army is told to secure a building, it will be much like a police corridor around it. No one goes in, no one goes out. If the Air Force secures a building, they will get a uh, 10-year lease with option to buy. <laughs> got to get that little jab in there. Make sure you all stay awake. We all ate good, so i got to keep you awake a little bit. But no, God will secure the evildoers and the wicked. They will be put in their place. And when Christ comes in His second glory, we're going to reign with Him. So all your patience will pay off. All your righteousness will pay off. The, just as when uh, Dad came home, I'm guessing the obedient children didn't have nothing to fear when Daddy comes home. It was the evil ones that had something to fear. The ones who had not obeyed mom. That's what it will be like. And there will be a warning. There was a warning, you see, in verse 5, it says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. He's talking right there about... If you look around in our world today, I won't try to claim that I know when the Lord is coming. I look with great hope. You hear many of the things that were prophesied about the Lord coming back, roars, wars and rumors of wars. They have been out there for centuries. I, I believe uh, the Apostle Paul actually thought he was living in the last days. And this is not to downplay the Apostle Paul because uh, time, is, time does not hold the same meaning to us that it does to God. So it is entirely possible that Paul was right when he believed he lived in the last day. 
And yet the last days could have been thousands of years away because, I forget the exact quotation now, I should have written it down, but a thousand years is as a day with the Lord and vice versa. So but you see that Elijah will come, the prophet. And if you look back at what Elijah was and how Elijah spoke, in the in the last day of the Lord, in the last day, in the where when Elijah spoke to Ahab, Elijah was around in the, under the most evil king that Israel had, Jez, and under the most evil rulers, the most evil political times. God's man was still there. Elijah was calling out Ahab for his sins, calling out Jezebel for the fact that she had a man murdered because he refused to sell her husband a plot of land. Calling them out, preaching the word of God. And he was a he was a man, he stumbled. We all know he got the dreaded Elijah syndrome where he thought, woe is me, I'm the only one left, and he wasn't. But there is definitely a comparison to the last days when Elijah thought he was the only one preaching the word, the only one following God, and what the last days will probably look like. And the end times, or eschatology, if you want to call it that. Which, <clears throat> I don't know, I don't believe we're in that yet, but depends on where you are in the world. If you're preaching the Word of God in Iran, yeah, it's pretty easy to get the idea that I'm the only one preaching the Word of God. But in America, you preaching the Word of God, it'd be pretty foolish to think you're the only one preaching the Word of God. There are countless individuals that are still doing it, so there's no need to be um, downcast or apathetic towards it. And the promise that you see in verse 6, and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, that shows the negligent or the despicable state of family affairs during the end times, where fathers and children are lacking natural affection toward one another. Things have gotten so bad. And it's also a warning about what will happen if, or how bad family situations, things that we take for granted that are good and right and natural, will take place. If the ways, all the things that were spoken about in the previous chapters, if they're allowed to come to fruit, if they're allowed to come to head, natural, we... uh, You see that looking back in the Greek cultures who were without God from the start. You see that looking back in the Roman culture, which is without God for a start, looking exactly how we're disregarding God, worshiping the the creation rather than the Creator goes. It goes to man, it talks about in Romans 1, it goes toward man loving himself and reaping the consequences of that, which is absolutely despicable. And it happens to God's people too, and you can see how it gets to that point in the previous three chapters. If you haven't been here for all those, go back and look at them. But the day is coming when it will all be made right, natural affection will return, even though it's not here now. And the warning there, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. We know that the earth will be smitten with a curse at the very end, because we know, according to prophecy, even after Christ comes back, rules with his followers for a thousand years, there will still be people that won't 
believe. There will still be people that rise up in rebellion against our Lord and Savior. Even after a thousand years of peaceful rule by Christ himself, there will be people that rebel. You see that in Revelation. And the end of that will be when everything is wiped out and destroyed, where it's talked about even as far back as Noah, when God will destroy the earth with fire. That will happen again. So Daddy is coming home. Are you going to be one of the, as far as the salvation message, are you going to be one of the children that's in trouble? That has been disregarding everything that Dad has said? Are you going to be the one that's set to receive the full force of His righteous wrath, which is what our Lord and Savior has? He has every right to be angry against the wicked who have rejected His love, have scorned His love, have turned it down. So we looked at, uh, to, to tie into what our pastor said in the earlier uh, service today, understanding God's wisdom is just His unfathomable glory, His unfathomable love. That's what I got of it. So God has every right to be mad at someone who is so wicked and so depraved and so his nature is so vile that they would spit in the face of that. Or are you going to be on the right side of God's wrath when Dad comes home? When Dad comes home, do you have nothing to fear? Were you the one who followed his instructions that he left? Are you going to be one of the ones who... And there's varying degrees. I mean, I came from a family of, a family of ten, so when... I. I got to see a lot of the spectrum of when dad came home. There were some that were completely obedient to mom. There were some that were completely disobedient to everything that dad had said. There were some that weren't exactly disobedient, but they, okay, we obeyed, but we didn't do it in the nicest way possible. Those people will still get some kind of punishment. You see that spelled out in Galatians about the, your works being tested, whether it be wood, hay, and stubble, whether it be gold, uh, silver, and, and precious metals. There will be variances in there. Much like in the big family, when dad gets home, there's going to be some that, okay, you're completely fine. <laughs> I'll deal with you last. And there will be some that, okay, you need imp- you needed improvement. Or you didn't do everything as bad as they did, but you weren't helping the situation. And maybe that happens in a smaller family. I can't speak to that because I wasn't part of one, so I don't know. But all of that aside, God's wrath will be meted out with equity and will be done in a righteous fashion. And that's what I'll close with. Where will you sit and where will you be when Daddy comes home? If you don't have that figured out, if you aren't sure, I'd encourage you to ask the men in the church or our pastor or myself. And we'll, be, we'll be glad to show you from the Bible where you sit. Be more than happy to. Let's bow for prayer.